take your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, and then in the other hand, grab Isaiah chapter 50. Hebrews chapter 5, Isaiah chapter 50. And I'd like to par- preach part two of last week's message, which was uh, how to make right choices. Um, it's important, and it's, I, I feel that it is one of the fourth or the fourth cornerstone uh, in building your house upon a rock. Number one, you're going to need the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have to be saved. And the Lord said that the wise uh, man builds his house upon the rock. That rock is Christ. Number two, you need family, shelter. That's important. God instituted the family, uh, a husband, one man, and, and, and a, a wife, a woman. And they have children, but that's shelter. But then God instituted the church. That's that third cornerstone. And church provides food, shelter, God's social network. You can grow in Christ, learn more about Christ. But then fourthly, we discover that you're going to need uh, the ability to make right decisions. And last week, I uh, got into, uh, we took our text out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, right in there. Now today, I gave you the tools last week that you would need. And this week, it'll make a little more sense because we're going to talk about the tool that you have and the tool that I have called a discerning heart. And uh, like with any instrument, you'll have to recalibrate it. You'll have to recalibrate it. And those tools that I give you last week helps you recalibrate or to make sure that your discerner, your heart, your gut, your sixth sense, you can call it whatever you want, uh, is operating correctly. But this week I'm going to give you four principles A principle is a truth, something that is true no matter where you're at, what culture you're in, what part of the world you're in. That's what makes it a principle or a truth. We're not talking about relative truth. We're talking about absolute truth. And we're talking about God's Word. We're talking about being built upon a rock, solid, not on the sand that shifts and changes with culture and time or experiences. I'm not talking about experiential truth. I'm talking about God's discovered truth. Today there is a big move uh, in this uh, let's pursue experiential truth. Uh, There is a resurrection in uh, charismaticism, and so people think they're having mass revivals, and people are having an experience, and they're bringing that on through the devil's style of music. And so don't let that fool you, because the devil comes back on the scene with all power signs and line wonders, and the devil was created for music. So there is a right music, there is a wrong music. Remember over there, the Bible says that Satan was made with pipes and tabrets, uh, metal objects, uh, and, and he was made for music. And it looks, or at least it implies, that he was the head of the praise team in heaven. The anointed cherub that covereth. And he was sparkly, he was beautiful, glorious to look upon, but he fell because iniquity was found in him. So there's been this problem. You and I, in life, if we're to discover our destiny, what God's will is for our life, or our life mission, we have to have the ability to make right decisions. And so today I want to read first here in Hebrews chapter 5. It will cover a lot of what I'm saying, but then we need Isaiah 50. Because it'll help us with the second half of the message on uh, uh, staying by the light of God's fire, which is the Word of God. Now here in Hebrews, verse 11 out of chapter 5, he says, 
of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. So he's getting ready to teach them a lesson, and he says, you've got a problem, you're dull of hearing. And then he goes on to say, for when for the time ye ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you again. He said you should be spiritually mature enough to be able to teach and to guide others, but you need to be taught again, which be the first principles. There, there's our, our word, because I'm going to give you four principles today to make right choices in your life. It's the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meats. Now, here's the problem with nursery churches instead of good uh, working churches or doctrinally sound churches. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use... Now, here's where I want to draw from. Have their senses exercise, so this is a muscle that must be exercised, and why? To discern, that's to be able to tell the difference between, of what? Both good and evil. You ever been around those people that everything's just good? Oh, no, that was good. Oh, oh no, that's, that's great, that's wonderful, that's good, it's good. Everything's good. There, you, you mean there's no evil? There's no bad? If there's a good, there's a bad. You say, well, what is that? Well, that is a person that is not exercised. They're a milk baby. They can't handle meat. Meat is doctrine. And they can't discern good and evil. Everything's good. Everything's beautiful. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no problem with what Bible version I use. There's no problem about what church I attend. Well, that's a problem. Because it does matter. God says it matters. But they can't see it, they can't discern it, because they've never exercised this little thing called a discerning tool that every person has. And therefore, they can't discern good and evil. Now, I want to catch another verse. You're here in Hebrews. Go to Hebrews 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God, this is going to play a big part. For the word of God is quick, that means it's alive, it's living, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner. There we go with that word discerning again, discerner. This Bible will discern you of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now that's important. Here's why. You and I cannot see people's hearts, right? And so some people say, well, then that's why you should never judge. Judge not. The Bible says judge not. It's the favorite verse of a backslider. It's like, yeah, there was a whole lot more to that chapter than just those two words. Jesus was teaching judge not hypocritical judging. He says, if you lower the boom on somebody, make sure you're not guilty of the same thing. So he says, you judge things righteously. And you say, well, how would we do that? Well, you would judge them in light of the Word of God. Because the Word of God can discern down into the hearts and the thoughts. Because God said, I can see the hearts. And so some people walk away from that and say, well, then it doesn't matter who I am on the outside. No, that you're a baby, you, you need a bottle again. No, the Bible says, no, God can see the heart. All we got to see is what's on the outside. We need a, a tool. We need a way to discern what's in that heart. And so the Bible teaches us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You give me five minutes with you and I'll tell you what's dominated uh, your life this last week. Because it will come out, your mouth will give me a sampling of what's in your heart. You give me 10 minutes or 15 minutes and I'll know for sure. And anybody can do that. You can do that about me. Uh, you, you could spend 5-10 minutes with me and find out what have I been studying, what have I been around, what is on my mind, what is in my heart. 
Now turn to Isaiah chapter 50 because we, we need this for the second part or second half of the message. And now once I read this, I want to pray and then take off and not drag. Isaiah chapter 50. Here Israel is in apostasy. And here's a problem. The Lord identifies this problem here. In verse 10, he says, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Now here's this, this next verse, and we need this. Behold all ye that kindle a fire that compass yourselves about with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire. This is in contrast to God's fire. And in the sparks that ye have kindled, this shall ye have of mine hand, ye shall lie down in sorrow. Now it's an interesting verse and we're going to talk about it a little bit, but let's first, let's pray. And let's pray for those that are under the weather this morning, not feeling well. And pray for those that need comforting, that they're comforting. Uh, our gracious Father, we come, we thank you now. Lord, we love you. Help us as we have now opened the Word of God. And Lord, we have read the Scriptures. Now we're asking that the Holy Spirit give us light to help us to discover uh, uh, your truths. Lord, help us to gain some uh, principles today. Help us make better decisions in life. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Do you catch that there where he says in verse 10 here in Isaiah 50? He says that sometimes, he says that, he said, Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness? You say, well, if you're saved, you're not in darkness. It's not what he's talking about. He is talking about a saved person. What he's referring to is that there are going to be times in your life, even though you are saved, you're born again, even though you attend church, even though you have the Word of God, that there's going to be times of darkness. You're going to be faced with a decision. You're going to be faced with a direction that you think you might need to go, and you just cannot get a clear answer on that. You know you're saved, but sometimes you feel like you're, you don't know whether you're up or down or sideways with the Lord. Sometimes you're going to feel like maybe God has abandoned you. Why is this not, why is the answer to the problem that I'm facing, why is it just not easy? Why can I not get an easy answer? And it, becomes a season, a time of darkness in your life and in my life. I've had times like that. And you're thinking, this shouldn't be so. As a child of God, everything should be peachy. We should be able to eat all the donuts that we want and never gain any weight, drink coffee, uh, uh, do what we want. But it's not that way. And the older you get, <laughs> the more you realize that. The older you get, the more you realize you spend more time in darkness than you do uh, in light saying, yeah, no, I know what to do. Uh, you find you're dumber now than you were in your 20s. And then you begin to reminisce like, man, if I could just be 18 again, you know, 19 and 20, I knew everything. At least I thought I knew everything. <laughs> it wasn't too bad because here I am. <laughs> you're like, yeah, but your guardian angels had to work overtime. <laughs> But you're going to have times in your life where you're not going to be able to discern, man, uh, uh, good and evil. And sometimes discerning good and evil or right and wrong can be easy. But let me give you a harder one. A harder one is being able to discern between what is right and what is almost right. There is the problem. I pray every day, and we 
we've seen that the scriptures told us in James 1 verse 5 that if we need wisdom and we ask wisdom of God that God gives liberally to every man and woman that asks God for wisdom. And I pray daily for wisdom and I covet your prayers. If you pray for me as your pastor, you pray that God give me wisdom. Not to tell so much between good and evil, but to be able to tell the difference between right and almost right. And so, last week, I gave you some tools. Remember those tools. A sober mind. You're going to have to be dealing in the realm of reality. Gravity's a real thing. If you think you can jump off a top of a building and fly like Superman, you do not have a sober mind. If you think you can whip the world, which is one of the things you can think or think when you're 18, 19, and 20, you're not, you do not have a sober mind. If you think money doesn't matter, or housing doesn't matter, or family doesn't matter, or a good job doesn't matter, you do not have a sound mind. It's a tool that you need to be rooted in reality. And I pray that you had a mother and a father like I had that rooted me early in reality. But then you're going to need a pure heart. A pure heart is somebody that's been born again because the Bible says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. And so a man must have a pure heart, which is a, a converted heart, a born-again heart, but then he must make sure that it stays pure by confessing sins daily. Then you're going to need a courageous spirit. Because God's going to have you go in a different direction than most of the majority is going to go. Because you're on the straight and narrow way. You're at the straight gate. You're at the narrow way. While everybody else is walking the broad way. Then you're going to need God's wisdom. And you're going to need faith. These tools... They must be worked with a mindset that has total commitment to God. That's why Romans 12, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He's talking about total commitment. And then he says, not to be conformed to the world. So the world's model... The world's rules is not going to work in the life of a Christian. The Bible is clear to say that a Christian cannot drink the cup of devils and the cup of Christ at the same time. And then, that willingness to be taught, to allow our mind to be renewed by the Word of God, to create a new muscle memory. These are the tools you need before we ever get to the principles. Now I'm going to give you four principles for making right decisions. Because God did give us a mind to discern with. A heart, you're discerning me right now. I said that last week. But you're discerning, you're discerning, and you're taking in information as you watch me speak. You want to, you're discerning, is, is, is pastor mad? Is he, is he angry? Uh, does pastor have a, an edge about him? Does he got an axe to grind? Or has pastor spent time with God and has God rubbed off? Is pastor speaking from compassion and love? Even though he's speaking the truth and he's biblically based, is it in love to edify, to help us, the church members. And so you're discerning that. And you're using the tools, you're using the hearts and your senses and your five gates that feed your soul. The eye gate, the ear gate, the nose gate, the mouth gate, the touch gate. These are gates, doors, into the soul, what is actually the real you on the inside. 
What I'm referring to is your scanning tool, the discerning mind. Years ago, in the construction trade, I got into uh, inspecting EFs and stucco-clad houses. I ended up having to get a further my education to learn how to do it, but it came with some tools. I had to purchase some tools. And one of the tools that I purchased was a non-intrusive moisture meter, meter called a Tramax. And why is when synthetic stucco or an EIFS, it's E-I-F-S, clad home is installed improperly, it can harbor water in between the stucco cladding and the substrate of the house. And because those original systems were what we called sealed barrier systems, if the water got in it because a window leak or a caulk joint failed, it couldn't get out at the bottom and begin to build and, and to stack up onto the substrate. And all of a sudden you begin to smell mold or uh, see water on your carpet on the inside after a heavy rain like we're getting today. And then people were concerned generally when they begin to try to put their house on the market to get a buyer. And all of a sudden find out they got some major problems. Well, instead of tearing into the house, we did an inspection. On a wood-constructed house, you're allowed a moisture level on the substrate from 0 to 19%. That is the tolerance level. That is called the, uh, uh, the EMA uh, the EMA accepted level. If you begin to get moisture levels above 19% in between the wall cladding and the substrate, you're getting into water damage. And so one of the ways we would uh, uh, find this, one is by a visual inspection. Begin to walk around the house. And that is my first point, is, is you've got to make a, a visual inspection. But here's the first principle. Don't trust yourself. That's your first principle when it comes to trying to make a decision. Because a lot of times what you see is not what you get. Again, we're dealing with something on the inside. Uh, the Bible says that on a person, uh, uh, the, the, the heart... It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And, and maybe on the outside, what people see on the outside looks good. Uh, the, the prophet Samuel had that problem when he was looking for the next king of Israel. And he thought it was Eliab. And he said, surely this is the next king because God told him to go to the family of Jesse. And he said, this has got to be the guy. And the Lord says, no, it's not him. His heart's not right. Samuel was using a discerner. Now, he thought visually it looked good. But you can't trust yourself. So the first principle is don't trust yourself. You've got to make a visual observation. You've got to see the problem at hand. And if you're uh, uh, making a, a report, I would begin by taking pictures of the four elevations and giving it a visual once over. A lot of times, you can't see what's going on on that substrate. Now, if you've got enough experience and you've done many inspections and you installed the system, you might see some things visually. But just because you might or you might not is not science. It's not a fact. And so you've got to begin to accumulate facts. So you're going to need a scanning tool. The Word of God and your heart, how to discern, how to reason. So number one, don't trust yourself. You could have a conflict of interest. I've walked up on homes before and they're beautiful. A beautiful home and the landscaping's just right. And it's just glorious to behold. And you got to be careful with that because you might even like the client. They come out, they meet you. They come out with a cup of coffee. And, 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 and sometimes I got cookies and donuts. 
And that creates a conflict of interest because, mm, now I like this person. This person's my friend. And I got to do a good job for a friend. You got to be careful not, not to fall in that trap of trusting yourself. Things can seem right on the surface, but be rotten. Underneath the Bible has this to say in Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. And that's what he's saying here in Isaiah chapter 50. There's going to be times when you can't discern. There's going to be times when you really can't see clear enough to make a decision. And he's saying, stay by the light of God's fire. Stay by the book. You do what you know is right. You've heard me say this many times. You get into these situations and like, I, I got to make a decision or something's not right. And you've heard me say, I go through a checklist. Have you read your Bible? Every day. Did you miss a day? Oh, yeah, I've not been reading my Bible. I'd start there. Did you pray every day? Have your, are you going to church? Not when you want to, but every time the doors are open. you got to stay by the light of God's fire with what God has told you to do, even though you're in a dark season in your life. Don't run out and create or kindle your own fire and do your own thing because you think your way's better. That's what he's saying here. And the same thing is true when you do an inspection. You might have an opinion, but you might later find that that opinion, because you're going to use an instrument. You're going to have to be able to trust that instrument. One of our instruments is the Word of God. There should be no debate today on whether it's right for women to be pastors or not. The Bible, our instrument that discerns that situation, is clear on it. But people are not, they're not trusting their instrument of discernment. And so they light their own fire. And they say, but, but, but we need to let love win. God is love. But you're totally eliminating the possibility of God trying to protect us from the spiritual realm. We don't know everything. We've not had all the experiences but God has, and God says, no, don't do that. Abortion, we're having issues and questions about, is killing babies right or wrong? It's wrong. It's evil. It shouldn't be up for debate. But yet we got a bunch of people that's like, and I'm not talking about the lost crowd. That's the devil's children. I'm talking about so-called Christians that think everything's good. Now, we could get more in-depth. We could pick on music. We could pick on anything. And there's people that are on the fence. They can't discern good and evil. They can't discern between things that are right and almost right. And why is because they've lit their own fire. They're not going to trust their instrument. The devil does his job well, doesn't he? You know, up until the 1800s, there was only one version. After that, people started saying, I don't know, your instrument might not be right there. Uh, do you really think you really have the preserved Word of God? I don't know. Maybe, that's, maybe something's been changed in the text. And so you come out with the RV and then the RSV, and now they're upwards to 900 different versions. And what is that? That's because somebody, the devil, wants you to think that you can't trust God's Word, the instrument of discernment. And I got news for you. You're going to be in a world of hurt. Just like I would have been a world of hurt had I not learned to use my instrument and had been taught how to calibrate that instrument on each job in each situation. That's the first thing you do is to recalibrate your instrument. And so I would go up to what I thought was a dry part of the house which would have been a place where there was no windows above it or no kick-out flashings, and I would monitor and I would begin to set that, that uh, instrument until it registered zero. 
And now, once we've got zero, we've recalibrated it for this particular house. Now I'm looking for any type of moisture that is above whatever moisture from zero to 19% was in the dry spot. And you stay with that fire. So don't trust yourself. You're going to have to put your emotions aside. You see, emotions were never meant to be trusted. They can be manipulated. If you learn me more, you know I can be manipulated with chocolate chip cookies, homemade. Oh my. <laughs> Food, <laughs> barbecue, <laughs> ribs, <laughs> you know. They, they, can, they can mess the emotion. Emotions were not meant to be trusted. They were given to us by God to season life's moments with feeling. But they make terrible guides because much of the time they just don't tell the truth. I get this all the time. But I love him. He don't have a job. But I love him. He beats you. But I love him. He's strung out on drugs. But I love him. Yeah. Your emotions, you're relying on your emotions. And you've thrown the light of God's fire and you've created your own fire over here and say, but I can change it. I got news for you. You got moisture coming into the house, and, and I've been on them. I've been on them for clients that I've had, and I really like that client. And they're trying to sell their house, and I don't want to find moisture on them. There's been so many times where I've like, maybe I could just let it slide, but you can't. And you got to set that emotion aside and say, this thing's reading at about 25% moisture. There's a failed cog joint around this window, but the substrate. It still seems to be solid. You know, that can really hurt a house sale. Because now the new homeowner, they either got to renegotiate the price or they walk away. And a mortgage company might not lend money on that. So you understand how emotions, if you don't set them aside, can affect you being able to discern right and wrong. Don't trust yourself. Begin to gather the facts. And that's what I begin to do as I worked my way from left to right, monitoring moisture levels. And so the second principle is to seek and do God's will. Seek and do God's will. You see, when I went out to inspect a house, I didn't inspect it to my standard. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to make up a standard. If I could not identify the product that was on the house, then I had to use the EMA guidelines current EMA guidelines, not the EMA guidelines from the year that the stucco system was installed, but the current EMA guidelines, because they had the updates on the problem areas and where moisture could enter, and so the home buyer knows what they're getting and what kind of problems they could be getting into. You do not know how many clients, homeowners, that I've sat down at the table to give them the bad news and I've had to talk, they cry because you're, you're looking sometimes at some of these projects, 80, 100, 150, $200,000 worth of work when you get into substrate problems. And all of a sudden their hopes and dreams were fading and the equity that they thought they had, it's not there. And then the home buyer says, I'm walking away. I'm not putting it in there. You're going to have to fix it before I get to it. And so you've got to be careful how you collect your facts, but you seek and do God's will. God's got the guidelines for us to follow. 
There'll be times in your Christian life when you won't know what to do. It is described as darkness. But you need to begin to seek God's will. Read, study God's Word. I studied those guidelines. I had copies of the guidelines, installation guidelines for Drive It. I actually got them from pre-1995. You see, they changed in 96. And Drive It tried to pretend that they didn't have them, that they'd always been up to current. You see, that's what happens when you go to those seminars and you keep all your paperwork. But you begin to study God's Word because that's your guidelines. And the more familiar you are with God's guidelines, the better decision you can make in the moment. Because you're familiar with God's guidelines. Pray daily. Make church a priority. Read books, good books and biographies. Listen to godly music and as Kinsley says, church music. And then separate from worldly influences. Refuse to leave the light of God's Word. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what I think. What does the guideline say as I'm looking at this problem in front of me? Because the Bible says this, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He's telling us, don't light your own fire and say, well, I feel, I think, and this will be okay. Are you willing to put your light, general liability insurance on the line for about $500,000? Do you believe in it that strongly? No. Right. It's not about your truth. It's not going to be about what you think, how you feel. These are sparks of false fire, strange fire. And God's already told us how our fires, how they end. He said, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. See, we're into that discerning. There's a way that men think is okay. Even though they know God said something different. Like, well, it seemeth right. And God says straight up. But the end thereof are the ways of death. I've told you once and I'll tell you again. There's a lot of stuff that God's people go through that God never intended for you to go through. You've put yourself through it because you refused to operate by the light of God's, God's fire and God's guidelines. You say, but I feel, but I think, but I love him. Food. Housing. Clothing, transportation. There's four principles right there. If you've got to pick him up to go out on a date, there's straight up a problem. If you're using your money on a date, that's a problem. I'll stop there because then I'll be meddling. But I love him. I love a rabid dog, too, when he's guarding the junkyard, but he makes a poor pet. That's right. You see, those ways, those fires will end in death. And then you got to be able to wade yourself through self-taught fools. when you're in that arena of inspections and it, it is a racket some inspectors are really good but it's more than a lot of times a racket and I got on this home for a client they had a home inspection done and every window had 23 percent moisture and I'm looking at the report but every window had exactly the same moisture level and I'm thinking you know, the mathematical probability of every window on this house, and there was probably 30, having the exact same high moisture content, it's mathematically impossible. 
And so he had poked holes, three sets of holes, under 30 windows on this $300,000 house. Be an official. So I come out, found out, because they teach you when you do an inspection, that you need to come down three or four inches or five inches below that window, and you would probe it there. You say, why? Because if you're dealing with a house that has windows that were installed when it was new, they have a nailing flange all the way around the window self-flashed window and it's nailed into the substrate it's not like a retrofit window where you cut the old one out and then you insert the new one you got to install the pan flashings header flashings and it's not attached to the outside substrate it's attached from the jams and this guy had probed all of the nailing flanges on this house on 30 some windows and gave a false reading there was not one window that had high moisture he was reading that was the moisture uh, we use a wood moisture meter so if you hit plastic it might give you a 23 percent in this case that's what it was reading sometimes you read metal it'll give you 28 29 percent but it'll always be consistent on that particular job. And so I had to take that news that they had got them an inspector that was no good, and he had poked, you do the math, 30 windows, three sets of two. That's two, four, six. Six holes per window, 30 windows. Boy, those were nice little holes left in there, and then didn't caulk them. Left them open. What I'm saying is be careful about other people and their opinions. The third principle, pray about your decisions. And here's why. And this is why I use that illustration. You can relate to this. Our mind can be like a room full of people talking to you at the same time. You ever have that? It, 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 there's like confusion and, and, and you want to make this decision but all of a sudden there's all these voices in your, in your mind. You got so and so says this and so and so says that and so and so says that and you got something whispered in your ear and you think it's God but you don't know and all these voices going on at the same time. It brings confusion. Well, our guideline says God's not the author of confusion. So who is, if God's not the author of it? Satan. Oh, you got to be careful about these other voices. People can have ulterior motives. I've learned that in these years pastoring here. People give me advice and I found out later they had an ulterior motive. That's not good. They're seducing spirits that will whisper in your ear. You say, how do you silence the voices? Pray with a surrendered heart. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. That means be anxious about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unto God. And the peace of God, that's going to calm your mind. It's going to silence the voices. Which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So pray about your decision, and that's going to help you to silence all those different voices in your mind. But God's. But here's the fourth principle. I believe it to be a very important one. Seek godly counsel. Here's why. Here's what the Bible says. Every purpose is established by counsel. 
and with good advice make war. There is nothing wrong or degrading about seeking counsel. The Bible says that you should seek godly counsel. And here's why. Because it goes back to the first principle. Don't trust yourself. You could be emotionally attached. And it could create a conflict of interest. Godly counsel or advice is literally, it's the safety net that God has given you to undergird your decision. God has made a provision for you not to make a mistake by telling you that you need to seek godly counsel. The Bible is clear to say now, don't heed or seek ungodly counsel. If you're trying to break an addiction, you don't want to talk to somebody that's addicted. Here's what the Bible says. Again, we're back to the guidelines. Not our emotion. But my friend, I don't care. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Seek godly counsel. You do not want to light your own fire and take off surrounding yourself by those embers as you walk off into the dark somewhere where God never intended for you to go. And here's why. There's lingering damage from the mistake zone. Remember? I said between the ages of 17 and 27, that's the danger zone. And a lot of the decisions that you make between those ages are going to affect you for the rest of your life. And there is lingering damage from making bad decisions in the danger zone. If you made some bad decisions in the past, be aware that there may be some lifelong consequences that cannot be removed. Now that doesn't mean that God hasn't forgiven you or that He cannot use you. It simply means that bad decisions cannot be undone. Think with me for a moment. Years ago there was a man who got backslid on God and he went out and got drunk, tied a drunk on. He had to cross a train track, and he stumbled and fell. He was so drunk that he just passed out, but his arm was on the track. Train come by, took that arm off. He barely lived through that ordeal, but he, he knew that God had chastened him for what he had done. He got back to church and he got right with God. And God forgave him. God loves him. But the arm never grew back. Now I do want to leave you with this. Because somewhere in here, if you've made bad decisions, and all of us have, the devil's going to begin to work on you. And you're going to feel a feeling of I'm not worth anything. It's hopeless. I'm just too far gone. See, that's not God saying that to you. You need to think about this. God didn't just die for the good people. God died for you. And you cannot put a value on your soul. Your soul cost God eternal blood, His blood. You can't purchase that with money. And if God thought enough about your soul, it has a lot of value. 
And you don't, you need to quiet those voices that are telling you that you're useless, that you're no good because you've made some bad decisions and now you're bearing the consequences. You need to give it to God. Get right. Because God says, this Bible says, the guideline says, you have a value that you don't even understand and realize how precious your soul is to God. But learn how to make right choices. Those four principles will help you making or to make better decisions from today forward using the tools that I had given you last week to help teach you to calibrate your discerning instrument that you have. Learn not to trust yourself. Make sure you have a pure heart, a sober mind, a courageous spirit. Gather the facts. Seek God's will. If you don't know what it is for the next step, make sure you're doing God's will at this step. Stay by God's fire. There's an old adage, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. I've broke that principle a time or two. In these 11 years, it's a good principle. Learn to pray about your decisions before you make them and seek godly counsel. Always use God's guidelines to discern good and evil. Let's all stand.